Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York. ¿No se merece tu familia lo mejor? Entonces, ¿por qué no los mejores huevos? Ahora, Egglands Best están disponibles en deliciosas opciones. Huevos clásicos de gallina libre de jaula y orgánicos de Egglands, que ofrecen un sabor más delicioso y fresco de granja que le encantará a tu familia. En comparación con los huevos ordinarios, Egglands Best contiene la mejor nutrición como 6 veces más vitamina D, 10 veces más vitamina E y el doble de omega 3 y B12. Solo Egglands Best. Mejor sabor, mejor nutrición, mejores huevos. Visita egglandsbest.com para más información. And welcome into another Gamecock Central podcast. Wes Mitchell here with Chris Clark. Um, hoping to do a, you know a few more of these than we have been lately. And obviously Gamecock's getting big news, uh, really rolling in. Lots of good news lately, Chris. And I, I think we probably have to start with the pickup of Nick Harvey, Texas A&M grad transfer. Uh, you know, and as we track these things, Chris, you know, sometimes we have a really good idea what's about to happen. Sometimes... Uh, you know, you're just never quite so sure. And uh, the case with Nick Harvey is I think, you know, we knew he had a good visit to South Carolina, but with uh, the other schools going after him, the other official visits he took, it wasn't completely clear if South Carolina was going to be able to land him the way it sort of was with uh, their other grad transfer, JT eBay. But uh, they get the job done and uh, another recruiting win for Javaris Robinson and Will Muschamp. Yeah, nice pickup. And like you said, I think it was just thrown into doubt a little bit just because the first visit went extremely well. But that was his first visit after he announced his intentions to transfer. And so South Carolina got first crack. Uh, there's obviously some holes in the secondary in which they could plug Harvey into. And 
look, if you're a defensive back, you're going to be attracted to any situation that involves Will Muschamp and Travis Robinson because of their track record with defensive backs, their development of that position, sending guys to the NFL. That's always going to be an attention getter for any defensive back. Um, and so the indications after the visit were really good, but there was also recognition of, look, this guy's got a bunch of other visits he's going to take. You know, Auburn, uh, Tennessee are in the mix, Arizona, Florida, Oklahoma State, all in the mix too. So uh, there, there was a little bit of, I guess, worry about those other trips too. But they were able to hang on uh, even after all those other visits. And I think that speaks to, you know, the job that the staff does recruiting and developing guys and, and making it an attractive situation for Nick Garvey. And Chris, not very often you add a guy that that has this sort of proven SEC experience. Uh, you know, transfers within the conference in, in in football aren't really all that common. Uh, you know, he, he's a guy who's who's played a lot at Texas A and M. Uh, from what I was reading up on him, pretty much when he was healthy, he was playing from from the moment he was on campus. He he started 12 games as, as a junior, obviously missed last year with a, with a knee injury, but his back says he feels 100% now. But uh, you add a guy who's done it in the league uh, it is at the very least, I, I think, you know, there, there's no such thing as a sure thing when you're talking about high school kids or junior college kids. I, I think with, with someone like this, you at least know what you're getting. Uh, you know, he, he's someone who started in the SEC and I, I think, you know, re- returned a punt for a touchdown and is one ever punt you know his only ever punt return as a junior he returned it for a touchdown like 73 yards uh you're not returning punts at a place like texas a&m as well as they recruit without having some really high degree of athleticism as well so uh, you know I, i think this is a kid that you know comes in for south carolina at your very very lowest very very least you're getting someone who's going to provide depth but i I think a very real possibility that nick harvey is the day one starter at cornerback which would allow you to move keysign nixon to nickelback which is uh, i think something they've made they've made no secret that they really like keysign nixon at that nickelback position so uh, when you look at losing three starters uh from last year in the in the secondary being able to not only replenish that spot with guys like uh, you know, four-star J.C. Horn, Israel McQuamu, who enrolled early and had a really good spring. But, uh, Chris, adding guys that have played the position in conference uh, really should should help them kind of just be able to, to not miss a beat at those positions. Yeah, and, and there are question marks, you know, across the secondary, not only with, with holes in depth or just, for instance, at, at safety, you're not even exactly sure who your two starters are going to be. Um, you know, Stephen Montak could be one of those guys, but, you know, there's also the question of, well, is the nickel situation fixed? Because if not, Montak may need to slide in there. Well, now, when you bring in a guy like Harvey, who the staff believes will help, and he really, realistically, could probably play any spot, what I hear is that the, the belief, or, or the hope, rather, for South Carolina is to move uh, Keyshawn Nixon over to nickel, possibly. And that, to me, means that Harvey will probably fit in at corner somewhere. That allows you to keep Montac at safety. Then you plug in any other number of guys at safety, whether it's eBay, whether it's, you know, if he if he gets back, you know, 100% Jalen Dickerson, you know, R.J. Roderick may get a look there. You got McQuamu at corner, Corey Banks, you know, Rashad Fenton's obviously going to be on the other side as a starter. So that gives you some more depth and some more flexibility uh, in addition to a guy that you mentioned like Horn who can play corner and Jamias Williams. You know, he could play nickel. 
Uh, he could play some safety like he did last season as well. So a lot more flexibility with that. The thing that Harvey's going to give you out there if you put him at corners, he's going to make you better on the edge and run support. You know, he was fourth on the team, I believe, at A&M uh, in 2016. With, had, a, I think, 66 tackles. So he's a guy that's got some physicality out there uh, and, and can help on the edge. Yeah, and I was going to say, uh, as you're running down those guys, uh, uh, you know, you hit them, hit on him there at the end. Uh, let's not forget about Jamias Williams. I, I think this uh, really opens things up to allow them, if they think he's a better fit as sort of a free safety, obviously he could still, you know, be your backup nickelback as well. You can move him around. I, I think even week to week, I, I think at times last year, Chris, as Jamias Williams got more playing time, we saw them – sort of switching him back and forth between that nickel and safety position based on that given matchup. So I, I think that when you when you have a guy like Jamias who is obviously a great athlete and, and a good football player but has some uh, issues as far as size goes, you try to put him in, in the best positions to succeed. And I, I think uh, th- that's something we're probably going to see them now be able to do a little bit more. How, how do you see his skill set fitting in as a potential – more of a safety as opposed to nickelback. I know Muschamp has mentioned that as, as a strong possibility. And, you know, if he can play that position at a high level, um, it, it really helps their depth just across the board in the secondary because now, like you said, you got you got JT eBay coming in. You've got Montac returning. Uh, then, you know, a Javon Charleston and R.J. Roderick, uh, Jalen Dickerson, you know, if, if he's a full go, then, then all of a sudden you, you actually have a, a decent amount of options there. Yeah, I mean, the thing about the safety position is it's going to be more difficult for a an inexperienced guy to play. Now, Williams obviously played a lot last season, but he was working at nickel as a freshman. And so, you know, that would be, I guess you could say, the concern about Harvey or even JT eBay. Even though those guys have played a lot of football, you're going into a new scheme. The safety position is, you know, is one that's more difficult than playing corner in Will Muschamp's defense. I mean, there, there's there's a lot to learn there in terms of where to be and what to do. You know, there, there's a lot of different things to know, different aspects of it. And so, you know, uh, I, I think that Williams still fits in well there because he's a guy that, you know, he's not the biggest, obviously, but he he's really instinctive. And he's you saw some last year that he was really good at going and trying to get the ball off people and, and succeeding sometimes at that, sort of roaming around a little bit. And obviously he's a guy who's speedy and quick and can can get out there in coverage. And at safety, you know, sometimes you're matched up one on one with guys, but sometimes you can be a little bit more of a guy who can come down in the box or you could be a little bit more of a guy who can play middle field safety and roam around and try to make plays on the ball or run guys down. And so some of his game does fit that. And you know, he came out in the 2017 class, you know, really he was a guy that, uh, you know, could have fit in year one at safety. And if he was a guy that had been in the 2016 class and signed that that year, he probably would have started out his career at safety because South Carolina's hole at safety was even bigger then. I mean, it was an even bigger need than it was last season. Yeah, and I think what we're seeing right now is that um, they've been able to sort of very quickly replenish that position by by doing it in multiple avenues. You, you go obviously uh, the Keyshawn Nixon JUCO route. Uh, the previous class. Now you're able to add a couple of guys who um, you know are grad transfers. You add a few freshmen in there as well, and uh, I I think it's a, a bit easier on the staff now 
recruiting off of a nine-win season, Chris, it, it's it's probably tough to get a guy like Nick Harvey, who's played at Texas A&M, who has these major offers, uh, you know, to buy in to coming in off of a three-win season, which is what Muschamp inherited. It's probably pretty difficult even off of a six-win season because if these guys are transferring into a school, A, they want to play, but B, most of your grad transfers want to have an opportunity to win. So I think now being in that conversation, we're seeing it with the 2019 recruiting class as far as high school and JUCO guys and the interest in major prospects. But I think Carolina's upward trajectory as a program and the perception that they're moving up is what gets you in the door with a guy like Nick Harvey. And then obviously what Muschamp and T-Rob have done with defensive backs probably uh, probably is what locks that down for you. Sure. I mean, you make a good point uh, with that combination of, look, I mean, guys are most of the time not grad transferring to go sit on the bench somewhere. That They need some sort of – I mean, coaches aren't going to say, hey, you're going to be a starter, make that promise most of the time. It does happen. Um, but certainly, you know, not at South Carolina where, you know, you promise a guy an opportunity, you show him the depth chart, you show him what he could do. And Harvey has started in the SEC before. It's not something he has not done before. Um, and so the opportunity is there. And so, you know, you combine that with the ability to, to play a competitive schedule uh, in the SEC and win football games, which South Carolina's, you know, like you said, on that upper trajectory, that's certainly something uh, that helps. And there's not. A, a ton of, uh, I guess, precedent for a guy transferring in conference. You don't see it a lot. I mean, there was one recently with Maurice Smith from Alabama to Georgia, and, um, you know, he ended up helping Georgia a lot. And I'm sure if South Carolina got that level of, of play and, and leadership from Harvey, they'd be uh, more than happy with that. Yeah, I think you see it uh, You see it in women's basketball, uh, it seems like, right. uh, fairly often but you, you don't really see it in uh, like you said in college football so and it's, it's just not very often you get a guy that you literally know exactly what you're going to get you know it no matter how well you evaluate no matter how good your process is um, some guys you're going to get them in out of high school and they're going to be way better than you thought some guys are going to be way worse than you thought I think with Harvey uh, you, you have you have you know a lot of tape there to see exactly what you're getting in this kid. Uh, let, let's switch gears a little bit to uh, recruit to the recruiting side of it, not with grad transfers, but with the class of 2019. Uh, on Sunday, Chris South Carolina lands Trayvon Kenyon, who is a four-star tight end on Rivals uh, out of Monroe, North Carolina Monroe High. And I, I think what we're seeing with this class, Chris, that maybe. You know, we didn't always see with the first two classes as as Muschamp and this staff are trying to sort of put their imprint on everything. We're seeing South Carolina able to go out and either become major factors or in this case land like their top guy, you know, the exact guy that they wanted. You know, after they got Keyshawn Tony as a tight end in state, sort of more of a developmental type kid maybe uh, that's going to grow, I, I think, into a 250, 260-pound tight end potentially. You know, we were told that basically they wanted a stretch the field tight end, uh, that Trayvon Kenyon was one of uh, a, just a couple of guys they wanted and were focused on, and they go out and they land uh, one of their top targets at the position. Uh, and, and this is a kid that, you know, was banged up last year, so he didn't play a lot, still had a, a nice offer list, but – uh, you know, I, I was watching the film because uh, I, I had, I guess I had, I'm sure I watched it when he first got offered, but 
I didn't realize until I went back and rewatched it. Uh, this is a kid that can stretch the field, and this is a kid that has great ball skills for a tight end. So you start putting, you know, putting some weight on him in the college program, and and this to me, Chris, this kid could uh, sort of be that next in line of of really good pass catching tight ends that South Carolina has sort of uh, quietly developed a reputation for. Yeah, I mean, he's a kid that's pretty highly thought of because I mean, he's a four star kid on Rivals.com has some nice offers, but. <clears throat> I think you could make the argument that he's a little undervalued and a little still under the radar because, you know, he missed a lot of ball his junior year. Um, he, he didn't play a whole lot of football with an injury. And so most of what you're recruiting off of is sophomore film um, and what he did his sophomore season. Te- teams saw him a little bit last season. They could see him, you know, some this year. But uh, a, a lot of times when you're a junior, the hay's sort of in the barn as far as, you know, guys that schools are looking at, you always see late bloomers. That happens. But um, you, you see a lot of offers go out really early. And so South Carolina was one of those early offers. They really liked him. Um, I'm sure they'll have him in camp again this summer to, you know, get another look at his development, keep an eye on him uh, throughout the football season. But there's a lot to like there. You know, he's a guy that's 6'4", has a frame where he can keep getting bigger. He has ball skills. He can run, like you said, stretch the field. So really interesting prospect and a really good pairing with Tony, who's a little bit more of, you know, maybe that H-back uh, type of player in the offense. Yeah, and someone that I, I hope we'll get to see in camp uh, later on or, or go get to see in a game because, like you said, there hadn't really been those opportunities to to see him. Uh, you know, would have liked to have got to see him at Rivals Camp this past uh, season, but – uh, you know, someone that I, I think, again, like I said, it he fits that sort of mold we've seen South Carolina have success with. And, uh, you know, not to mention, it's important for South Carolina to recruit, to keep recruiting the Charlotte area and the greater Charlotte area. And you have another, another, uh, I guess, case here of Bobby Bentley getting South Carolina in on a kid and, you know, them being able to land him. And that's a, that's an area that I, I think we've always talked about that South Carolina needs to be strong in Charlotte. We saw for a you know maybe a stretch of the Spurrier era where they had some success there, but in the past traditionally, I don't think South Carolina has done a good enough job in the Charlotte area. And now you're starting to see it pay off. You know, you see it last class with um, Javon Gwynn. Obviously, Rick Sandage getting him on National Signing Day uh, this year, getting an early commit from Jalen Nichols. Landon Trayvon Kenyon, continuing to recruit a guy like Kavaris Crouch. That's an important area for South Carolina, and I, I think we're seeing the the work of those guys really start to pay off. Yeah, no doubt. And, I mean, Will Muschamp said early on in his tenure they wanted to treat, you know, Charlotte as an in-state territory. I mean, it's, it's less than two hours away in most cases, that area. Um, you know, Rick Sanders being from Concord, and then you saw Gwen from Charlotte proper, and a lot of the areas around there have good players. And South Carolina's the closest SEC program. Uh, you know, you look at when Will Muschamp was at Florida, he would he would go and recruit Charlotte even there, landed DJ Humphreys out of Mallard Creek, former five-star guy, eventual first-round draft pick at offensive tackle. So um, it makes a lot of sense to recruit there. Um, as well as in-state and your other surrounding areas. There's a lot of talent to be had, and it's an area in which they need to do well. And so far, there's been some good returns there. Uh, in that same category, let's talk real quick about uh, Kavaris Crouch. Uh, much needed, I, I think, unofficial visit for South Carolina, getting him on campus uh, You know, this past weekend. 
by all indications, that visit went very, very well. I, I think that, and you, you know, you've said it. Uh, I think multiple times when you when you've written about Crouch is that you know this is going to be a, a marathon, and I, I think you know being around him a bit at a you know at Nation Ford High for the Charlotte Rivals camp, we kind of see that he's still very much trying to sort through things, Chris, and. Uh, you know, there, there's been a lot of sort of – it's been a bit of a roller coaster at times. He's trying, I think, to, to really cut schools. And he talked about that um, during his interview with Adam Friedman there, that he's, he's really actually cutting schools now, which I think was difficult for him to tell some schools no and to take them out of the picture. But it, it's been hard for him because he's also had to make this decision of cutting schools, but then am I a running back? Am I a linebacker? I still think deep down, just personal opinion, I think deep down the kid wants to run the football, but at the same time, I, I think it's gotten in his head that, you know, you could maybe have a longer career at linebacker, and he's kind of bought into that. So it, it's made a, a bit of a tough decision for him in that aspect. Yeah, I think it's sort of the classic heart versus head thing, you know, where uh, his heart's with running back, and and not that the head is going to win out, but th- the head has sort of been filled at this point, whether it's his own ideas or other people's ideas, you know, people who know him or college coaches or just some facts. I mean, th- there is there is some um, there is some data, you know, to back up the fact that you can be higher paid and have a longer career at linebacker. There, there are no guarantees, but all things being equal that, you know, there is some data to back that up. And so, you know, when you begin thinking about that and thinking about your future, there becomes a dilemma. Now, he has not played linebacker full-time. Um, he played more running back. Um, mm-hmm. He's He's got certainly shown flashes and ability at linebacker in, in the limited time he had, and he'll probably play it some more this season for everyone to get a better assessment of his abilities there. But, I mean, certainly he's an elite running back. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, and, and so you got that situation, and – you know, look, Crouch may play more linebacker this year and decide, ah, you know, I really love this and I think this is best for my future. Or he may say, you know, my heart's with running back. That's what I want to do. And, uh, you know, he goes back and forth, I think, and, and he's it's something he's struggled with. But uh, I don't think there's any doubt that if he, if he is a running back, that does help South Carolina just because of the consistency in the, in the approach and Bobby Bentley's relationship with him. Uh, but I think South Carolina's right in the mix. I mean, right – right where you'd want to be um, as much as you can be at this point because it is still early. It's changed a good bit over time already, and, and there could be more changes forthcoming. Yeah, and I think uh, you you used the word that I uh, that came to mind for me, and that was elite. I, I think we already – I think the question for me then becomes, as, as he's making this decision, is, you know, is he an elite linebacker? And he, he very well may be, but I, I think as far as that conversation of, you know, financially and longevity and and I, his value as far as an NFL player goes in the future, um, you know, may, maybe all things being equal, if he's considered just as good of a linebacker as he is considered a running back, then, you know, maybe the data does push him to that direction. But the other side of that is that I think we've all seen him and said, you know, this kid is an elite running back, is a game changer at running back. Um, you know, you, you don't want to project a high school rising senior to the NFL. Uh, you know, that's kind of silly. But I, I think as far as the, where we, the way we're looking at him right now, this kid is absolutely 
elite um, as a player so at the running back position. So we'll see what the senior year brings, what the offseason brings. Like you said, there's going to be many twists and turns. Um, you know, I, and I, I think the as far as South Carolina, the best thing that you could say for South Carolina fans is that South Carolina has been consistently in the mix. Uh, you know, uh, and, and I even reported it. You know, there were times where, where it felt like South Carolina had – Falling back a little bit as he took visits to other schools. That was just my impression, you know, of where things were. But getting him back on campus this past week, um, continuing to stay in the mix, continuing to have that long time relationship, um, you know, I, I think South Carolina has proved that they're going to be in the mix to the end. And with, with so many different variables at play here, I think right now, Chris, that, that's about all you can ask is to, is to be in it and to have the longevity that that of that relationship that Bentley and Muschamp have with Guevara's Crouch. Yeah, I mean, you want to have a seat at the table um, with a guy like him. You you, he, you know he's not committing anywhere right now, um, and so to be in the mix like South Carolina is to have that relationship, to have had him on campus so many times, to have that comfort level. There are a lot of schools recruiting them that would love to have that, and they don't. And, and mm-hmm. so that's really all you can ask for. I mean, um, th- there have been ups and downs. There, you go back and look at any big-time prospect that South Carolina's landed, or really that any school's landed, most of the time, not always, most of the time there are ups and downs and periods yep. of worry. Yep. I mean, Jadavion Clowney, he extends his process to February 14th. Clemson comes in late. You got Alabama and everybody else recruiting him. I mean, you look at Marcus, even Marcus Lattimore. I mean, you know, there was worry about him. I mean, he named Auburn his leader. Uh, you remember that? He named Auburn yes. his leader after his yes. South Carolina official. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, Penn State's randomly in the mix. He, you know, he talked up yeah. Oregon a lot. I mean, there was just a lot going on there. And, and Marcus Lattimore is a very – you know, not much drama there, you know, yeah. um, in, in terms of how he conducted his business. So, you know, when you've got big time guys, they're not just itching to make a commitment. It's not just an automatic thing. It's not just, yeah. I like this school. This is where I'm going. They like a lot of schools. And and Q is a really smart kid. Uh, he's a people person. So he's a relationship builder. And that's why it's, you know, that can make it tougher on, on these kids. Um, but he's just taking his time with it, and, and South Carolina's in the mix, and that's sort of where you want to be at right now because that's really the best you can do at this point. No doubt. And before we uh, close it out here, Chris, uh, uh, I guess because we haven't done one of these, you and I, together in a while, we, we obviously haven't talked about uh, you know Ryan Helensky and that commitment, um, obviously, early last month. And you know he, he's – done his part I think so far to work Crouch and and work a bunch of other guys that South Carolina's recruiting and I, I think worth mentioning as as South Carolina looks to sort of uh, close on a bunch of these guys that they're that are top kids that are you know getting offers and interest from all over the country I, I think having that sort of true leader of the class who's gonna put in the time to to recruit other people for you to you know he's very active on social media he's not scared to to reach out to guys he doesn't even know and sort of sort of start building that relationship um you know that's something south carolina for the most part really hasn't had so uh, in a while at least so i I think getting a guy like ryan helinski in the mix you know we talked on the message board uh both of us a, a ton about how 
important of a pickup this is on the field and his ability as a passer and, and everything he brings there. But I think with this recruiting class having some of the momentum that it does have right now, um, it's going to help to have a guy like Helensky willing to and, and willing to, to get on campus for you multiple times, even though he's coming all the way from from California. Yeah, I mean, that is an ideal situation, right, to get a guy who is sort of uh, one of the headliners of your class or maybe the headliner. I mean, when, when people go to a recruiting class and look and see, you know, who's the guy, they're going to gravitate towards one of two things. It's going to be either they're going to look at the stars, um, and this includes prospects. I mean, they pay attention to that stuff sometimes. It's going to be the number of stars by the name or it's going to be the quarterback because, you know, those are sort of seen – fair or not as your sort of class leaders and the guys that everybody are going to follow. So, um, you know, obviously Ryan's got that personality to where he likes to recruit guys. Um, he's a connection builder. He's a guy that's got a personality that people sort of gravitate towards. And so for him to be able to come on campus and build relationships and be sort of an ambassador is important when you're, you know, college football coaches, they want to build a program, not that runs itself per se, but they want to be able to build their culture to where, the best recruiting tool that they're going to have is their own team. So when guys come on campus, you know, uh, they're going to feel comfortable around the team and the team's going to be able to be real with those prospects and say, here's how things are. This is why it's so good. And, you know, talking to some of these prospects, Wes, that that's what goes on now a lot at South Carolina. And, um, you know, there have been some instances at some other programs recently um, where, you know, kids visit on campus and come away and just say, I don't know about this because the players on the team even are, are saying, I don't know about this. And, yeah. and so, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Helensky helps with that because he's comfortable with the school. Um, a lot of the players on the current team, you know, help sell the program. So anytime you can get that, it's a positive. And for him to fly across the country and do that um, certainly shows how committed he is to the program. And um, I think it's going to be a useful tool for certain guys. No doubt. Uh, plenty of momentum for the Gamecocks right now on the uh, recruiting trail. And, um, you know, I think we'll see it continue. And the summer, uh, Chris, will be as big as it's ever been. I, you know, they've always had the camps uh, this summer, but with official visits already happening, South Carolina will have a ton of official visitors on campus in June on top of their regular uh, camp sessions as well. So uh, it should be a very, very interesting um, information-filled summer on uh, GamecockCentral.com. Uh, for uh, Chris Clark, this is Wes Mitchell. This has been your Gamecock Central podcast. And make sure to check out all of our work on GamecockCentral.com and subscribe today. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. 
Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.